I was doing it, you know, on my own. And I started getting emails from people. The first email I got was from a designer in Australia. And she was asking me about some sources that she wants to go vegan in her business. And I wrote to her and I said, I'm just curious, how do you know that I'm a vegan designer? She's number one on Google. I had absolutely no idea. I was just so busy doing my thing, you know? As a vegan, do you ever feel like you're living in a parallel universe, aware of things that many others don't even seem to notice, let alone acknowledge? I'm Chrissy Benson, host of the Vegan Posse podcast. We talk with vegans from around the globe who, like you, are living lives of integrity and compassion with an eye toward justice through their personal stories. You'll come to see that you're not an outlier. In fact, you're part of an entire posse of individuals who aren't just keeping the peace, they're creating it through their food choices, and beyond. You won't be saddling up, but you're in for the ride of your life. Welcome to the Vegan Posse. Hey, Posse. You know me as a podcast host, but in my other life, I'm an author named Christine Melanie Benson. If you're a fan of chick-friendly chiclet, you won't want to miss my novel, Marrying Myself, the anti-romance romance with a vegan twist. It's available on Amazon and everywhere else, and you can get it in print, Kindle, or audio. And if you would, please leave a nice review. It'll go a long way toward injecting veganism into the world of mainstream women's fiction. And that's a shot the world can use. Now, on to our episode. Today, the Vegan Posse welcomes Deborah Damari. Deborah is a vegan design expert, luxury interior decorator, published author, TV personality, educational speaker, mother of three, including her fur baby, Luca, and global influencer for the vegan design movement. Deborah and her vegan design expertise have been featured on the Today Show, NBC, TLC, and in the pages of the Huffington Post, Ocean Drive, Veg News, and PETA's blog. Deborah and her family reside in Miami, Florida. And when Deborah is not writing or teaching, you can find her paddleboarding and playing on the beach with her daughters and puppy. In 2022, Deborah was named one of the top 200 influencers in the interior design industry, as well as one of the top nine interior designers of Miami by Peerspace.com. Deborah, welcome to the Vegan Posse. Are you ready for the ride of your life? I certainly am. <laughs> Great. I like to hear it. Okay. So as I understand it, you live in Miami now, but you grew up on Long Island. Is that right? I was actually born in the Bronx. In the and, Bronx. Um, All right. Bronx. Exactly. I need that t-shirt. Born in the Bronx. You know, I've seen those t-shirts. <laughs> but when I was a very small child, yeah, my family, my parents are, you know, um, first generation New Yorkers, you know, they were born and bred in the Bronx. And um, when my sister and I were really little, we moved out to a small town in Long Island called East Northport. And I was raised there, went to school in Boston, lived in the city for a couple of years, did that whole migration and um, eventually lived in Jersey for many years and then moved to Florida. I've been here a long time, over 25 years. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, we've We've overlapped a great deal because I lived in Boston for a long time. In fact, that's where my novel is set. And I grew up in New York State. And my parents are now down in Florida. And my mom actually grew up in South Jersey, <laughs> New Jersey. Oh, where in New York State did you grow up? Putnam County, New York. Oh, nice, pretty. Yeah, yeah, it was beautiful. Um, so what was it like growing up, you know, the way you did? I assume you, you're from an Italian family. Yes, yes. Well, my dad, my dad was Italian American and my mom is Jewish. So I always say I'm a pizza bagel. <laughs> I grew up Those in a, are great. Yeah. In a very ethnic, a very loud, a very opinionated, and a very loving home. I had I look back on my childhood and I'd say I was really lucky. Mm. My great grandmother you... lived with us, who was from Russia, and she kept kosher in this like Italian Jewish house. It was a funny house. Wow. That's a very, yeah, that's a very funny combination. I'm yeah. half Ukrainian. So I have somewhat of, of right. that Eastern European mix in yeah. there. Yeah. Um, what, so. what kind of foods did you eat growing up? Oh, growing up, nothing vegan. That's for sure. <laughs> I grew up on uh, very Italian food, lots of pastas and cheeses and sausages and meats. I think we ate meat every night of our life growing up. <laughs> 
And then the Jewish side was the stuffed cabbage and the pastrami's and the hot dogs. I mean, about as non-vegan as you could get, you know, you always say, if you, if you knew then, uh, you know, if you know now, which you knew then something like that, what's that expression? If you knew then, what you know now, there you go. Right. Right. Yeah. So how did you first, you know, come to question how you were eating? I think it was really, um, I always say it's a process and I, and I also always say you have to be ready for change. You have to be open to it, you know? And, um, you know, I've been a designer now, gosh, over 20 years, 22 years, forever. And I never really thought twice about using leather and wool and silk and fur and down in any of my projects because I was just completely disconnected from reality and numb, you know? And meanwhile, when I think about it, it's so hypocritical, but like I say, you just have to be ready for change because my family and I love animals. I mean, my dog is right here by my feet. I'm, I'm, <laughs> he hasn't barked yet because he seems to bark at the beginning of every podcast I go on. <laughs> I've got two dogs in my house right now whom I'm, um, who, who are with me for the next day and a half. So we'll see if they bark. We may have right, a, exactly. a bark party. <laughs> and, um, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very involved with animal rights organizations. I was on the board of Farm Sanctuary. I'm super involved with PETA, Mercy for Animals, Catskill Sanctuary. I mean, like you name it, I'm involved. And, but yet I was always using animal-based materials, right? In my business. And then I guess it was about eight years ago or seven years ago. Um, you know, I'm always getting videos up on my feed and I kept getting this video from PETA and I just never opened it. And finally one day I opened it and it was on dog leather. Hmm. And I looked at this video and I'm like, you know what? I'm done. And I just, that day I declared my, my, um, business completely vegan and I went vegan. And okay. So you weren't vegan prior, prior no, to that yourself. No, okay. no, I wasn't. I mean, I hadn't eaten meat in a long time, like mm -hmm. steak and stuff, but I was still eating, you know, fish and chicken and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, but that day I was just like, I can't do this. You know, I just can't do this. Wow. And so you did it all at once. Your own I lifestyle crazy. change. And, and it's funny because I have a vegan design course and I have a, all these courses and I always tell designers, cause it's so nice. The the, the tremendous um, response that I got when I did that. And I tell designers, you know, don't go cold Turkey because if you need to make a paycheck, don't go cold Turkey because it's transition. And, um, but for me, I just did it cold Turkey because I was just <laughs> held and I guess I was just so ready, but it was interesting because it led me in such a unique path. And I feel very uh, privileged to be in that path, you know? That and makes so, sense. Yeah. yeah. And that's really how it kind of started for me. So how was it first? Well, first, I'd like to hear about your own personal experience, you know, changing how you ate. Was that difficult? You know, it, it was in the beginning, it was a little hard for me until I got into the groove. Because for me, at my age, I have to worry about protein just because I'm 60 and um, osteoporosis runs in my family. And, um, so I was just a little concerned about getting the, the amount of protein that I would need, just not because of, you know, how people think you need so much protein, which you don't, but if you are concerned about bone growth, it's, it's good to have the right amount of protein. So, and we cook in my family. So it was just, um, it was just kind of getting into the groove. You know, now I get bread, I get a great bread from Brooklyn, actually, that I order every month. And that each, each piece of bread has 10 grams of protein. And it's very long calories. So like those are my snacks during the day. So I'm getting 40 grams of protein if I eat quarter, you know? So it was really just kind of figuring out. I, I don't like to eat anything processed. The vegan processed stuff for me is just as bad as the, the non-vegan stuff. So it was just really trying to find very clean, healthy alternatives, which really wasn't hard. Um, it's just when I cook, I'm just more careful. So if I make sure that I'm always having the beans and I'm always having, uh, you know, the proteins, I'm not worried about the fruits or the vegetables, but, um, and, and now at this point in the beginning, I had, sometimes I would have a craving, like if I smelled a burger on the grill or something or a fish on the grill, I'm like, wow, that smells really good. Now it's like, not even, it's amazing. Because yeah. every time, if you think about it, I just picture baby cow or it just, it's amazing how I just, my mind just goes to the animals. 
Right. It purely for my love of animals. I didn't do it for health reasons. Mm -hmm. Did you start, even so, did you start feeling different once you started eating vegan? Well, I was pretty much a healthy eater always, but now it's like, you know, um, about two years ago, I got all my blood work done, like a complete physical. I've always wanted to do one of those, what do they call those? The executive physicals or something. (laughs) And I did one and the doctor called me. I remember like a couple of days later at night and I was like, oh no, what, what doctor (laughs) calls you at night? Right. Unless it's like really bad news. And he called me and I'm like, is everything okay? And he said, yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to startle you. I said, I'm, I got so nervous that you're calling me at night. He said, no, Deborah. He goes, I just have to ask you about your lifestyle. Your <laughs> blood work is the best blood work I've seen all year. <laughs> wow. And he said, can I ask you about your diet and your exercise and like just your lifestyle? So I attribute a lot of that to my switch to veganism. That's amazing. I mean, that's such a testament right there. Yeah, it was incredible. And I was like, wow. And I was like, really? That's incredible. I said, wow, that's amazing. (laughs) What what in particular was so amazing about your blood work? I I guess it was just very clean. Everything was correct. You know, my cholesterol, my this, my that, my heart rate, my, you know, my lip, everything. Everything was just really, he said, your blood work is just impeccable. Which and is sad, right? Because that should just be normal. <laughs> that should just be normal. That should just be normal. And I do believe that if people saw what really goes on, you know, in these in these farms and oh, these factory farming, I can't imagine that. I, I like to believe most of us have a conscience, you know, and uh, oh, you know, I think about it, I want to cry, you know. I do think about it all the time and I want to cry. Yep. Yep. I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. I I relate a lot simply because I was always a pretty conscious eater, even before I went vegan. Um, But even so, I did see some real improvements in my blood work. Same, same as you, I almost never go to the doctor, but just at one point at the place I was working, they had an opportunity to get your blood work done. So I did it more out of curiosity than anything else. But I discovered at that time, and this was after I'd been vegan for a number of years, you know, my cholesterol was like 120 and years prior when I'd been a non-vegan vegetarian, my cholesterol had been over 200. And at that time they said, oh, it's not a problem because it's mostly HDL. You know, we've never seen such high HDL, but even so that's a pretty dramatic plummet in cholesterol. How long have you been a vegan for? I have been vegan since 2011. So yeah, so a little over a decade. Yeah. Yeah. So that's so interesting. So it was that video from PETA about dog leather. What, what did they say about dog leather? What is dog leather? First of all, well, people don't realize that when you buy a leather sofa or anything leather in the furnishings industry, that there's a very good chance it's made from dogs and which should not make it any worse than from a poor cow or seal or kangaroo or raccoon dog or cat, which is what leather is a skin. And it goes, it's under this umbrella, leather, it's a skin. So it can be really from any animal. And China is the leading exporter of leather. And in their culture, you know, um, they eat dog, like we eat cows here, they eat dog. And so there's a very good chance that your leather couch is made from dog leather. Very good chance. And so I saw a video on dog leather. It was a, it was a horrific, and I I think about him, I, I can't even speak when I think about the video. And uh, it truly, it was horrific. It was horrific. Okay. Well, I'll see if I can dig up that video or if you've got it available. Um, I'll include it. In my vegan vegan design course, we have uh, several modules. And the last module is, is all the videos. And I say it's discretionary. If you want to watch these videos, I encourage people to watch them. They're hard to watch. Right. It leaves an impact on you. Right. So what was that like when you decided to transition your business? How long had you been a designer at that point? I had been at over 15 years, I'm guessing, you know, 14, 15 years. And when I transitioned, it was, 
it was really almost like in a way starting a new business as far as sourcing hmm. uh, and yeah. realizing that so many things are have animal uh are based with an, with animals i mean so many things things you wouldn't even think of and um what was really interesting was that i was doing it you know on my own and i started getting emails from people and the first email I got was from a designer in Australia. And she was asking me about some sources that she wants to go vegan in her business. And I wrote to her and I said, I'm just curious, how do you know that I'm a vegan designer? She said, number <laughs> one on Google. I'm like, I, no <laughs> I had absolutely no idea. I was just so busy doing my thing, you know? Wow. And I started getting all these designers and consumers asking me, I want to buy a couch. I want to do this. I need a bed. I need sheets. I need. So we created a course and then I kind of became the vegan design expert. And then I wrote a book and then I started speaking a lot, a lot. And I still do. I speak quite a bit on, on cruelty-free design and it, and it quickly transpired into going into chemicals because the two go hand in hand. You can't, you cannot design or decorate your house with anything made from animals and there is no way in hell it's going to be healthy because animal-based decor and furniture are laden with chemicals because, again, they're from an animal. So I, I kind of related to, like, if you have a cut and it scabs over, right? when you take a hide off of an animal, off a dead animal, it's going to rot unless you load it with chemicals. Soak it, soak it with chemicals. And that's what skins are. That's what wool is. You know, the responsible will, wool, I want to smack them in the face. There's no such thing as responsible wool. Slick marketing. They've been busted a million times, the industry, Patagonia and all those big industries. And so they came up with responsible wool. It's the biggest hoax in the world. There's tons of videos on showing you a responsible wool form. And trust me, there's nothing nice about it. So um, can you, can you tell us a little more about the wool process? Because I think that's something that even a lot of vegans aren't totally right. clear on, on what makes so, it so awful. There is no way in the world to produce anything made with a living being that is going to be humane. It's just impossible because animals are just a number. That's all they are. So wool, wool are now bred to be so heavy, sort of like chickens with the eggs to be bred so heavy with mer the merino wool that they can barely stand. Mm. And the wool is so thick that maggots get into the fur and the maggots eat away the skin of the sheep. Mm. And that's called fly strike. And the sheep die. Now the owners are not upset because the sheep are suffering. They're upset that one of their sheep died and that's money to them. So they came up with this ingenious system of something called mule sing. When the sheep are born without any anesthesia, because these are also in many, many places, there's no regulations, there's nothing. Many countries, even in this country, they take a blade and they literally cut the skin from the hind all the way down their legs, by their belly, by their groin area. They cut all that skin off and let it scab over and scar. That way there's no fur there because that's where the fly strike generally goes. Mm. Many of the sheep die from the, sho the shock and the pain. Um, there's things called downers. <clears throat> sheep, sheep breaks his leg. They throw it in the, you know, they throw it to kill it. And a lot of times it doesn't even die. It's just horrific. So they came up with the responsible wool and they're, I just urge you, if even if you go on vegandesign.org, you'll probably find an article that I've written or someone's written, and you'll see responsible wool. It's a horrible, horrible industry. So they got busted. Someone did a video of the mulching process and of the workers throwing the sheep down while they were fully alive and beating them and this and that. And um, so they had to do something to cover their butts. And that's what they came up with. The industry has not changed at all. It's exactly the same. And also, if you don't even care about sheep, wool is loaded with pesticides. It has to be. It's it's fur. It's got bugs in it. So they 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 douse the 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 wool with chemicals 
in order for it not to disintegrate, not to smell and not to be, not to be filled with bugs. Yeah. Very, very interesting. I think even as a vegan, for me, that was something that it took a while for me to really just absorb that if, like you said, if living beings are being used for some sort of commodity, there's going to be abuse. There's just no way around it. It's And if there's yeah. abuse for the workers as well. Right. These are right. All, if you see, we got a hold of, I don't know how we got a hold of it a couple of years ago, the animal handler sheet for crocodile farms. And they are signing their life away, these workers. Most of them become drug addicts, not most, but it's, it's prevalent because of the stress the infections, uh, the the mental disorders from having to work with animals in such stressful situations. They sign off on their life, basically, and it's horrible, the, the abuse that they take these workers. These were on what kind of farms, did you say? These were on the crocodile farms where they use for air maize bags, the ostrich farms. You wow. know, the maize bags that have the little holes in them. That's from the ostrich skin. So I oh. say, why would anyone want to be wearing a bag that just shows like, you know, when your skin gets cold, how it has the, that's what the, the bag is. It's the ostrich skin. I think a lot of people have the impression that leather is more natural and, you know, cleaner in some ways than these synthetic materials. So you've gone a long way toward explaining the flaws in that line you know, of reasoning. Well, you know, it's, it's what we do with clients. You know, when we have a client who's, you know, many clients don't even know that I'm vegan in my business because it's referral. So they see their friend's house or office and they like it and they call me and I, Hey, I'm never going to say anything, you know? And once in a while, when they say, I want a leather chair for my office because it's really durable. I'm like, okay. Next time I go see them, I bring a leather sample and I bring a really high-end faux leather sample. Like my house is 100% vegan and I have leather, quote, but it's not real. And so I bring it and I say, and he's, the guy's like, yeah, this is what I want. I'm like, okay, terrific. Let's just do something though because I know you want durability, right? Yeah. So we're going to get some soda or grape juice or something with a stain on it, you know, deep color. Let's pour it on the leather and let's pour it on the, on this one. This is a faux leather, but very high end. And they see how it stains because it's a skin and it gets absorbed. It's porous. Let's scratch it with our nails, scratch a leather. Oh, the leather. You see the scratch on it because it's a skin, faux leather, nothing. I, I let them make the decision and that's what I teach. I teach giving them the power to make their own decision because the minute you have to force something down someone's throat, they're going to be against it. So ideally, they both have chemicals. They did test that faux leather has a bit less chemicals than real leather. It's still not ideal, but if someone insists on the leather, there's a faux leather that you can get. And it's more durable. It's typically more affordable and I buy faux leathers that are just as expensive as a hide of real leather because they make really high-end ones nowadays because more people are going towards that, fortunately. However, the real leather business is also a huge business. So what are some of the health risks of these animal products, like those chemicals in the animal leathers? I mean, we see, um, you know, look, over 50% of Americans have a sickness. You know, we're a very sick country obesity, diabetes, heart disease, mental and neurological developmental issues, cancers, uh, fertility issues. That just does not come out of nowhere. That comes from our environment. A lot of it, some of it is genetic, obviously, but a lot of it is environmental. And think about it. You know, there's 250 chemicals, over 250 chemicals in leather. Arsenic, chromium, lead are just a few of them. So the skin is soaked in these leathers and tanneries in India, where the workers, there's no regulations. The average tannery worker in India dies at the age of 55. Mm. And so when these leathers are soaked and tanned, the chemicals don't disappear. They're there. So years ago, when I would sell a bean bag to a child for a playroom, there they are in this leather bean bag cocooned. Our mm. skin is porous. And we're absorbing all those chemicals. They don't disappear like paints with the volatile organic compounds. 
So it's the same thing. All these chemicals are there and our skin is a sponge and whatever we surround ourselves in, our skin is going to absorb. So this, I mean, we are just becoming sicker and sicker because we're using more and more chemicals because it's faster and cheaper. Mm. Homes built before the 1950s were much healthier than they are today mm. because now homes are built fast and cheap. So there are tons of chemicals in them because they're fast and cheap. So who are most of your clients? Um, you said that some of them aren't even aware that you're a yeah. vegan designer. Um, yes. The ones, the ones who are, are they more concerned about the cruelty aspect or the safety aspect? Mostly the health aspect, but I don't care because, Hey, if that's how I can save animals. <laughs> sure. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. So mostly the health aspect um, because they have children or they have for themselves. And um, I speak a lot about non-toxic design, chemical free design. That's really, but to me, it's all, it all goes hand in hand. So as I will always tell them, we can't do, if you want a chemical-free home, nothing animal-based. And they're fine with that. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, in my own vegan journey, I remember going, like you, I went vegan out of concern for the animals. Yeah. And it was only subsequently that I learned that, oh, plant-based diets are actually the optimal <laughs> diets for humans. Yes. And, yes. you know, at the time it seemed like such a coincidence. And then in hindsight, it seemed obvious, like how could these products of cruelty and suffering actually be beneficial to my body? It, it doesn't make sense. So I love that you came to the same, you know, <laughs> conclusion in your business yeah. Well, and I think also, I'm also a real believer in energy. Mm. And I say, I don't want to design spaces that have tragedy or despair in them, because I feel like I'm bringing that energy into my client's home. So you want, you want to have a space that has good energy mm. and a fur throw pillow is not good energy. Right. It's got a lot of tragedy, a lot of blood and a lot of despair attached to it. Right. Right. Which is, again, I'm sure something that people don't think about at all. <laughs> yes. Um, tell me about your own home. I assume it's completely beautiful and features an array of vegan furniture and accessories, yeah, and personal yeah. touches. Yeah. Everything is, is vegan here. And um, because I'm, I have my own business, I did everything custom. So, which is great. So even the the um, sofas that I made, the feet on the sofas are for reclaimed wood. So it's just everything is um, non-animal based. I use fills that are either, you know, K-pop or rubber or even polyester if I have to um, in many areas of the home. And all my bedding, I use completely um, non-toxic bedding. I'm a big believer in certifications. There's a certification that I love out there called the GOTS certification, G-O-T-S. And um, what does that stand for? Global Organic Textile Standard. And it's okay. basically like, it's like the the premium standard that you can have on anything in, in furniture and decor. It's um, it, to be a certified company, they go through a lot of stringent testing um, for runoffs and for toxicity. So I buy, I always say, if you want to start somewhere in your home, start with your bedroom, because to me, that's the most important room in the space. Mm. We spend a third of our life there, most of us. And when we sleep is when our body repairs itself. So if we're surrounding ourselves in sheets that are laden with chemicals, again, our body gets warm at night, our breathing slows down, we're absorbing all of that. So you want to get bedding and paints and things like that, that are as low in chemicals as possible. Uh, so that standard is a great standard to look for the GOT certification. Okay. And that makes sense because of course our skin is an organ and yes. when we're lying in our bed, that huge right. organ is exposed and in contact with these sheets. Right. And the same with mattresses. Mattresses are big, 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 like you, and if you're going to invest in anything in your life, invest in your mattress because you also want to make sure that it doesn't have wool in it. A lot of mattresses are organic wool. Again, the responsible uh -huh. wool. 
You don't want that. You so what do you recommend for a mattress? I love Naturopedic. I'm a big Naturopedic fan. Okay. Um. So when you first shifted your business over to completely vegan, how did you find your suppliers and how did you find products that you trusted? Research, 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 constant research. And it was interesting because a lot of products, even that I would call my vendors and say, uh, the mattress, the, the sofa. Yeah, it's, it's faux leather. I'm like, what about the, the fill? Oh, I don't know. We never asked that. We never had anyone ask us that question. So it was like questions that a lot of people didn't even know the answers to. Because you can buy a sofa that says faux leather, but what happens if the cushion is filled with down? Huh. And it's not a vegan sofa. Fascinating. Like, that seems like a very obvious thing to ask. Right, right. Kind of like when you buy organic red apples, right? The, the apples were from an organic farm, but if they put dye number two on them, the red dye, are they still organic? They're do sold they do organic. that? Do they really do that for apples? I read that they do that. I didn't know that. Wow. But they don't anymore, but that's what I read. Okay, great. And <laughs> great. Like, that's a good example. I read that but I would have to research it. You know, don't mm -hmm. believe everything you hear. Don't believe me test, you know, maybe I'm wrong. And that's another great thing. We, you know, we have such a strong community um, in our Facebook group and emails all the time. Like, I love it when people call us out on stuff, you know, we'll, we'll promote something on Amazon. They're like, Deborah, that thing has feathers. I'm like, Oh, thank you so much. You know? And I love mm -hmm. that being called out on stuff that we think we know and we don't. Mm-hmm. So were there any other vegan designers at the time that you became one? No, I really became the pioneer. I think I was, Wow. I, or maybe there were, but they didn't get, I would, I, I got so much exposure and to, and to this day, I still get great exposure. I think because I was one of, I was really like a pioneer in the movement. How did that feel? It feels wonderful because, you know, we created this course and we have designers from all over the world in almost every country that have taken the course and they've become vegan in their business. And that makes me so happy to know that, it you know, it takes a village and it makes me so happy. One of my first course takers, a wonderful woman from the UK, she just wrote a book on it, on vegan design. And I'm, I'm in the book, she's interviewing a lot of people. Uh. And I'm, like, I'm like, Chloe, I am so proud of you. I want to cry. You know, like, uh. it's just, you know, like, it's wonderful. So how did you come to start your, this course? Just because we were getting so many people asking us so much, so many questions and I didn't have time anymore and my staff didn't have time anymore to answer. <laughs> so we said, let's make a course and it was a certified course and we got it accredited, but we have a lot of consumers who take it too, which was interesting. Very interesting. So and how does that work with accreditation? Who, who accredits it? For people, for designers, they get accredited with, it's called ASID. It's okay. Got it accredited for ASID, but most of them aren't even designers that I think care about the accreditation. And then we came up with another course just uh, last year. This course I love. This one is um, designing a chemical and cruelty-free kids' spaces. Mm. So I go into nurseries and kids' rooms. And I have great people in that course. I have Lisa Bronner from Dr. Bronner's Soap. I have the founder of Naturopedic. I have a, I, I have a physical therapist who um, design who um, works with kids and adults in the spectrum of autism. So she talks about sensory design, which is all you know, it's all connected, because I design spaces for people with autism, which is also you can't have a space for someone with a developmental issue and have it not be vegan because you want wow. it as possible no chemicals and so this course has been wonderful and um so i have these two courses and it's been wonderful yeah and so tell me the names of on. those two courses again so people can look well, it's a vegan design i can send mm -hmm. you the link uh, after okay perfect you can actually i'll put it in the chat right now because knowing me hang on one second <laughs> i'll put it in the chat I'm going to send you this link to courses and tip sheets. Okay. Okay, great. There you go. And if you want, thank I, you. Perfect. Go ahead. I, 
I can send you a um, discount code. You tell me what you would like to do. Wonderful. Sure. Yeah. Can, can I include that in the show notes for people? Yes. Yes. Tell you, what would you like the code to be? Um, you, you're more uh, savvy at these things than I am. You no, could um, call it VP or vegan or posse or vegan posse. Okay. We'll do vegan posse. Perfect. Thank you so much. We appreciate oh, that. And it'll be 25% off. Wonderful. Yeah. I'm doing that I'm right. Sure. Here. We'll get some takers for that. What an yeah, opportunity. They're, they're courses. I mean, they really are. I think they're really great courses. Wonderful. Thank you, Deborah. Yeah, I'm actually going to do it right now since you're. All right. <laughs> this is exciting. It's my day business day. in action. Yes. I'm a believer of doing it right away. <laughs> right. Right. So how far, how, how long were you into your vegan design business before you created these courses? I created these courses about, um, about maybe six years ago, like a year after I became vegan in my business. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, so very soon. Yeah. You thought need for this like immediately. The kids course we created about a year and a half ago. And that makes so much sense for kids because who wants a cruelty laden environment or a toxic laden environment for their kids? You can't really argue with that and, and I'll tell you the kids course it's really the same thing all the the rules apply for adults you know sure sure um so tell me about your experience on the TLC design show in a fix that sounds like a lot of fun okay and very just, glamorous nothing glamorous about it nothing glamorous okay well fill us in so that so I just sent you the code Thank you. Posse 25, they'll get 25% off the course. So they just go to, and I can send you also. Yeah. And I gave you the link. You're going to see that link has the courses and the tip sheet. So you'll see the links to the courses. Okay. Well. Fantastic. I'll include all that information in, in the show notes for this episode. So um, TLC was great. It was years ago and it was a great learning curve for me because my business was I'm self-taught. I never went to school for design. It just kind of oh, happened. Yeah. Um, when, when my children were very little, um, I was a full-time mom. And then when they went into first grade, I said, okay, now I'm ready to start working. And mm-hmm. I was part-time work just because I wanted something part-time. Mm-hmm. And I, decorated, I was looking into all these businesses and I decorated a friend's home as a favor. And one day her neighbor called me and said, I see you decorated Sandy's home. I would love for you to help me. I'm like, I'm, I'm really not a decorator. And she's like, can you just meet me at the fabric store? <laughs> I'm like, okay. I met her at the fabric store. I was with her for a couple hours. And I remember, I didn't even like know what to charge her. I remember she gave me a check for $150. And I was looking at that check being like, it was like $10 million. It was just Aww. such a good feeling, you know, after being a mom for so, you know, just being focused on my kids, like just to like, it just felt so good, you know? Aww. Yeah. And then, and then I just started getting all these, all these people calling me. And I remember my husband saying, you know, you have a business. I'm like, but I'm not a decorator. I remember saying, <laughs> like, well, you have all these people asking you to and every time I would walk into a house, they would ask me like a question. I'm like, I have no idea. Let me get back to you. And I think that, just, and that's how my business kind of came about. And I grew and then I got onto TLC and my business grew a lot. And was what was interesting about TLC was, you know, you, you're given such a tight budget. So here you are making like lampshades with chicken wire, you know, so it really teaches you how to think out of the box. So it was a, that was before you had gone vegan, correct? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was before I had gone vegan. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So what is your design style? How did you, you know, learn design? I think I, you know, I think it's very strange when designers have a style because my job is not to impose my style on anyone. My job is to make a home or an office or a hotel or wherever it is, as what my client desires and what works for them sensory wise, psychologically, Mm. you know, um, so 
if your design, if what works for you and makes, gives you your optimal mental and physical health is by being in a very clean, sterile home. Okay. Or if it's something where you need dark colors and to feel cocooned. Okay. Because also I, maybe because I don't have the schooling, I think I approach it. I approach design where it has to be functional and it has to be psychologically sound for the person. It has to be durable, you know? So I get clients, so many clients come to me like with, um, because of autism. And then we have a lot of clients with anxiety, depression. And so they come to me because of that, that they want to. So I think that's kind of what makes mm. me a little different. My approach that a client will come to me and they're honest and say, I found you because you wrote an article about designing for depression and I just got an apartment and I need help because I do suffer from depression. I'm like, okay, great. So let's design a space for you. That's going to make you feel as joyous as possible. Wow. So what are the aspects of designing a space to help people with depression? It's very unique and it's very like, we all have our own thumbprint, you know, what mm -hmm. makes, what can make someone, someone can have a fish tank and feel like, no, that's unethical because I have fish swimming in this small tank where someone can say, no, I would like a fish in a large tank because I love seeing the water and it makes me feel calm. So everyone looks at everything to like a lot of people with autism don't like freshly cut flowers. They look at them as fresh clap, a fresh plant that was killed. Mm. Dead flowers that you're putting dead flowers mm -hmm. in a vase mm -hmm. where someone else can look at a beautiful bouquet of flowers and say, oh, that's so gorgeous. They make me feel so good. Mm. So it's really a very personal thing. So I really, really try to understand and really get to know the person before we even talk about anything. I really like my first meeting with them. I always say, this is gonna be a weird meeting if you've ever worked with any other designers because um, we're not gonna talk about design. Huh. It sounds like you're a therapist. Well, design is therapy. It's also it's psychology. Right. What makes you feel right. good in a space? What about when people don't know? Because I would imagine that's why people come to you. They they know they want to feel I good in their space, but they... Yeah, Go like ahead. Just seeing a picture of animals make you feel happy. Does it bring a smile? Just seeing a picture of your children make you feel good? Does the color red make you feel aggressive or does it make you feel, wow, excited? Um, you know, what was your happiest? Can you Can you describe a happy moment and where you were. Can you describe the smell? Smell is really a really good insight into people. Mm. You know, like think about your first, like I think about one of my most memorable smells as happy as as a child in day camp. And I hated day camp. I hated it. But I remember I was maybe seven and there was a part of day camp where we would go into the woods with the, with the, the counselor who was like this old guy who's probably in his forties, but at that time I probably <laughs> so old. Yeah. And I remember we made a campfire and I remember the smell. I can still remember it. And it had just rained. And that's one of my first memories of smell. And it's such mm. a great memory. Yeah. I can picture the environment. So it's really talking about what, are, what are some of your happy memories? What makes you feel the really good? Do you like the feel of soft, fabric on your skin or do you like the feel of a nubby fabric mm. do you like heavy blankets or do you like the feel of a very light blanket or do you don't even sleep with a blanket mm -hmm. so, you know when you wake up in the morning do you put your feet down on a carpet or on a floor do you prefer a carpet something soft or do you like the feeling of the hard floor Right. It's so personal and we're all so different. All I mean, so different. <laughs> all so different. You know, do you like to sleep with the shades down or the shades open? <laughs> I mean, just hearing you describe all of this makes me think that your job would take forever. Just well, getting to understand all of, all of these things about well, your clients. No, I think that after doing this for so many years, I'm, I can feel most of it at this point. Mm. Initial meeting is, is very, very, um, complete mm -hmm. it's very complete and then it gives me a very good understanding of what I can what I'm armed with and to go back and start putting together something and do any of your clients 
start to get a glimmer of understanding about the animal industry in general? Oh yeah. I always throw it in, you know, you know, <laughs> you know always, you know, I'm, I'm here. That's my mission. I feel, you know, so when we're talking about things and I'll say, yeah, this is the wallpaper we chose. And, you know, just so you know, there's no silk in this, or there's no leather or wool in any of these wallpapers, because I know you're so focused on health. So these things are super unhealthy for you, as well as being very unethical, you know, child laborers and animals. So I just kind of throw it in. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Now on, you know, just kind of, <laughs> you're right. Right. Just yeah. by the way. <laughs> yeah. You know, just kind of make it without like, again, without like pushing it down their throats, you know? <laughs> well, what's funny to me is sometimes my style of not pushing things down people's throats may be experienced a little differently from their, uh, from their perspective, but, um, right, I trust right. you to have a very light touch with it. Right. Well, um, but then again, I do think I have a light touch. That's a good point you brought up. <laughs> Sometimes I remember one time my sister telling me, my sister's not a vegan. Um, and I remember her telling me one time that I was just too direct, too forthright, uh-huh. too in your face. And I, I said to her, you don't understand what, what you're hearing me express is maybe 1% of what I'm thinking. Right, right. You know, I'm already holding back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, almost well, it's everything. Like, it's like PETA people are like, oh, they're so abrasive. You need people, you need a PETA because people right. need to see it. You know, they need to right. like shake it up and see it. A lot of people right. get the thought, the subtle innuendos, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think we need it all. There's no telling yeah. what, what works and even yeah. things that don't seem to have a positive effect in the moment can sometimes plant a seed. And... That's right. That's funny. Yeah. That's a very good expression. I use that all the time. It's about planting the seed. Mm. Um, and what about your vegan designers who take the course? Are, are many of them vegan in their own lifestyles already? I think, um, I think a lot of them are, some aren't, but I think a lot of them after the course do go vegan because it's, it's compelling, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I do, I think most of them are vegan, but as I say in the course, you don't have to be vegan to take the course. I say, use it as an add on in your business. And the goal can be eventually that you see that there is good money to be made from it. Perhaps you can then go hundred percent vegan mm-hmm. because I say it's, it's like, you want to get the client who's not vegan. Maybe you can change their minds. Right. Oh. Right. And these people with a lot of money to spend have, you know, a lot more they have a big vegan products that they can buy. So let's, let's lessen their footprint. Yeah. Um, well, along those lines, I think a lot of people have an impression of veganism as a lifestyle of deprivation. Is it important to you to kind of debunk that and show oh. the luxury that, you know, a vegan lifestyle can bring? Well, I'll tell you in the beginning, I used to say vegan design. Now I say cruelty-free design Mm. because I found that vegan design, a lot of people, it depends on the audience. Mm -hmm. We're thinking of the hippie living in the forest off of eating seeds and nuts, you know? Interesting. Yeah. So we say cruelty-free, which everyone Mm -hmm. knows you think of makeup and this and that, even though being vegan and cruelty-free are two different things, as you know. Mm -hmm. So, um, so we, we use cruelty-free a lot. And it, again, it depends on the audience. Mm-hmm. That I'm, makes I'm sense. going yeah. about three minutes. Is that okay? At 2.50? Um, yes, yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. For sure. Okay, well, um, we'll get down to just a couple of final questions that I have for you. Well, among other things, I have I had a novel come out last year that's got some vegan characters and one of people's favorites is a fictional interior designer named David (laughs) Meadow. That's wonderful. Congratulations. Oh, thank you so much. Um, That's so great. So, so I assume, you know, a lot of in, in the book, he's, he's quite a character and is very flamboyant. He's not a vegan, but I imagine you meet some real characters in your line of work. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Clients on people and designers. Yeah, it's it's a kooky world. (laughs) Um, Well, what advice would you have for someone else wanting to start a cruelty-free business? Uh, Apart from just taking your course, which sounds like a great starter. I would say say baby steps. Just offer it as as an upsell. You know, just offer it as an adjunct, kind of like color consultation. Mm -hmm. 
and right. just be educated. So yeah, I do suggest taking the course because my course is the only one out there mm-hmm. uh, or just start reading a lot, but then you won't be accredited, but just really know your, know yourself, know what, have the answers mm, right. and offer it as an ups, offer it as an addition. Mm-hmm. Right, right. It doesn't have to be a judgment or, you know, an ultimatum. It can be. Oh, you just had a baby. Perhaps you'd be interested in, um, you know, uh, me designing a space for you that is uh, has fewer chemicals, which is basically vegan. Right, right. And who's going to not be interested in that? I would think. Right, right. Um, so I wanted to just ask a quick question about fur. I think of fur as so glaringly cruel and unnecessary that it's passe, but is fur still used a lot in the design business? It is, unfortunately. Hmm. Yeah, it's awful. Absolutely awful. I wish I could tell you now. Right, right. It's awful. It's all okay, awful. well, we're... <laughs> Um, we've got, we've got work to do, which is why we're, why we're both here. Yes. Um, Okay. So the last question that I'll ask you, this is something that I like to ask all of my guests. Is there a particular word that for you sums up what being vegan is all about? Kindness. Yeah. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah. It's not complicated. It's It's not complicated. It's yeah, it's very interesting how, how simple it is and yet how long it takes to get people to really absorb that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Deborah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so um, much. We, and thank you for your patience. Oh, of course. I'm so yeah. we're definitely worth it. And we close every episode of the vegan posse by taking 30 seconds of silence for all of the suffering animals, human and non-human who desire, as we all do safety, happiness, and the freedom to live out their lives without interference. So Deborah, I invite you to join me in 30 seconds of silence for the animals, and we'll conclude with the sound of the bell. Thank you, Deborah, and thank you, Posse. Thank See you, you next time. And thank you. It's so nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. And Take stay care. strong Have- and stay true. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.